Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in today. Paul George in studio with Deacon Adam Conk. What's up, my man? Just happy to be alive. Happy to be with you, Paul George. You got a nice cool front. That came really in. nice. Now this, we're going to go back to a conversation we had weeks ago, Adam, is gumbo weather. This is gumbo weather? This is gumbo weather. We're getting to it. November 1st is sort of my beginning. And so if you're not from Louisiana, it's nothing before this November. is the time and season to come for good gumbo. It sure is. And uh, I have not made one yet. So I'm, I hung in. Paul, remember we talked about this? Like, wait, I've waited. You changed my life that day. Thank you. And uh, I've bought into it. And so I have not cooked the gumbo yet. And I might not even cook it this weekend, to be honest with you, because we're not quite in November. I'm going to wait for the next cool snap. There you go. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in wherever you are um, in the Lafayette, Acadiana area. Listen on KLFT or on the podcast all around. To all my friends out there listening to the show, feel free to pass it around. I've actually talked to a couple of my friends who were like, yeah, I was listening to your podcast. I was like, really? You're bored. (laughs) Anyway. Um. Yeah, lots of cool stuff to talk about today. You had a good mm-hmm. show planned. And uh, yeah, it's fun. So I was uh, wondering, because it's always a secret, if you had a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Okay, so this one comes all the way from Hong Kong. Really? And it's pretty exciting. I'm excited about it. I don't know if you'll be excited, but mm-hmm. they have a new project in Hong Kong. Of a five-hour bus tour of the city designed for you to take a nap as long as you need. Wow. So it's a 47-mile ride on a double-decker bus, (laughs) but it's designed for comfort, and there's music and speaking during the tour designed to put you to sleep and help you sleep deeply. And it's for those who are sleep-deprived or have trouble falling asleep but sleep well like on the road which is definitely me this is why i'm excited about it my best naps are in vehicles on the road and so they this is catering to people like me um and so the idea is if you're you need to get from point a to point b you also want to take a good nap you get on this bus. okay so everyone who's listening is like that's crazy like why would i get a bus and go to sleep and at first when you were saying this i was like it's weird now of all people who sometimes has a hard time sleeping when you don't get rest or sleep, everything is magnified Mm -hmm. usually for the worse, right? The sky's falling. I'm more stressed and whatever. When you don't sleep, like sleep is really, like really, really important. Okay. Don't tell my wife. I said this, (laughs) the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Hands down. No comparison is when I was on a tour bus touring around the country for different events, okay, mm-hmm. with, with, with people. And it's the best sleep I ever had. It's dark. You, you lay in this, like, little cocoon bed. Mm-hmm. There's a curtain that's drawn. The bus is humming, rolling down the road. There's no windows. I mean, it is like just crawling back into your mother's womb it is it is it is like i can't explain it it is the best sleep i've ever had and so much so i've thought man i've dreamt about the bus now i'm not on the road again like that but don't let like people who are on the road 
touring fool you. It's hard to be away from home, but the sleep premium. So you'd be all into this business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kenneth Kong, who's the guy who started this bus, he said that you know he found that people weren't sleeping well. They had a lot of people, but they would sleep really well on the bus, the city bus. You know, they'd just fall asleep for a bit or whatever. So he was like, man, what if we cater to that group of sleep-deprived people? And so when you get on, first of all, this is not cheap. A ticket can cost between $13 and $51 per person, depending on the level of comfort you want. It's worth it. And uh, you get an eye mask and earplugs when you I'd walk in. I'd pay for it. <laughs> it's called the Sleeping Bus Tour. Hmm. And when it opened last Saturday, it sold out in minutes. People bought tickets for the whole day, just like that. Hmm. <laughs> so, I'm all about it. That's a good business plan. Maybe we should do one here. A sleeping bus in Acadiana? Yeah, dude. I'm I telling mean, you. That's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening in. I, we haven't done this segment in a, in a while, and I don't know why I started thinking about it, but we haven't done a weird Catholic stuff segment. What? That's crazy! Blows my mind! Weird Catholic stuff! Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but that was impressive, by the way. Thanks. That that was not pre-recorded. That was that, that was, was live. live. <laughs> <laughs> now, some people might know this, but I came across it again, and when I come across things like this, I'm like, that is just so crazy and strange, right? And this is kind of the beauty of the church and its history, and it's the way that you know, as Catholics, preserve history, you know, in science. And we've talked about that on the shows in the past. But the heart, the actual heart, like the the organ, mm-hmm. the heart, like mm-hmm. not, not a figurative heart, like the actual organ heart of St. Teresa of Avila is contained in a little glass case. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. She experienced what they call transverberation. It's a spiritual piercing of the heart. And she describes it in this way. Uh, it's the angel's hands. I saw a long golden spear. And at the end of the iron tip, I seemed to see a point of fire. And it pierced her heart several times. Have you heard that story? I heard that story. Yeah. So her heart is, uh, is in, a, in a glass case. Like it's incorrupt? Yeah, which is like a whole nother thing, right? We've talked about is this incorruptible bodies, but um, like her heart is in this little glass casing, almost kind of looks like a like a monstrance, but then there's there's glass that that's and then the, the heart is in there. It's weird. That is weird Catholic stuff. Yeah, I don't know if like you would die. We'd be like, let's save Deacon Adam's heart. <laughs> no, let's put it in a. At best, it would have to be like my toenail or something. Like nothing of importance would that be would be the relic. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the relic that you would you would talk about. Yeah, this is Deacon Conk's toenail. Yeah, um, no, that's amazing. And yeah, I've never had a prayer experience like that where I had a vision of an angel with a long rod um, piercing me through the heart. But uh, I imagine those two things are related, right? So God keeping her heart from corruption, and then this mystical prayerful experience she had in the heart. Um, but you know, it's, it's just kind of strange, but not strange that these saints are actually human. These saints have hearts, you know, like actual hearts, just like our Lord himself right now is a beating heart, an mm-hmm. actual heart. Um, 
So in a way, it's not strange to want to see these things and remind ourselves, that, but in another way, it's pretty strange. Now, I was going to talk about this. Uh, is Have you ever heard of the weeping statue of Our Lady of the Nations in Akita? So they're in um, <clears throat> Akita, Japan. There's a, a statue of Our Lady carved out of a Judea tree. So it's wooden. And in 1963... Uh, um, in 19, 1973, tears started flowing from the statue, a wooden statue. And they're like, oh, no, whatever. Well, they did like DNA testing on it and found that it was actual like type A, AB blood type. So it was actual tears that came from the statue. No kidding. Yeah. Is it still crying? Um, no, but there's been healing from it. People were cured from cancer, deafness. Someone was cured of their deafness, never could hear. Oh Went to the statue. A visitor was cured of brain cancer in 1981. Um, and then they started doing scientific testing um, <clears throat> in 1975 and found out that it was, you know, AB um, type, which is weird because... Not weird, but we keep getting weird here. Weird Catholic <laughs> stuff is that in Eucharistic miracles, when they've mm -hmm. tested the DNA of of the the Eucharist that w started bleeding or grew flesh in the different Eucharistic miracles that w that they have, you know, on um, you know reported and verified, is that it's the same blood type. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Which. Here's what's wild is that when you talk about the blood type of Jesus, then you you have to kind of, you have to talk about the blood type of Mary, right? Because mm -hmm. they they share DNA. Yeah, that's only one source of DNA for the Lord. It's from his mother. Right? Mhm. Mm so weird, you know, but how cool is that, that there's still things like this that you know, there's still miracles that happen, you know, in yeah. our world uh and around us. Um yeah, and I think sometimes the weird ones are, are helpful. I don't know about you, but when you tell people about this who maybe don't have faith or maybe are unchurched, things like the incorruptible saints or like, you know, hey, in Spain you can go and there's this heart in a glass case that is not decaying. It's like, what? what? It's like the weird factor almost draws people in with interest, you know? No, because I think it, it points to the realness of, of saints, people who gave their lives for the Lord and whatnot. And I'm working on a on a new book, new book proposal right now, and for for men what are specifically, we and uh, not that women can read it, but like it, the target is men for guys mm -hmm. like you and I, guys that are listening, whatever. And who am I to write a book for men? I'm not. Well, you're a man. Well, yeah, but I started really thinking about like what about what are the chapters? There's two things, and I'm gonna bring it up. Uh, in connection to all this. One is that in every chapter, there's going to be a story of a real-life saint who was heroic in their manhood because I think for us as men, it's like, okay, well, give me proof. Mm -hmm. Show me. Who did that? Who lived that way? Who made those types of decisions? Who sacrificed that? Who loved that way? And when you can point to reality, to, like, actual things, for us as guys and for all people, it's like, oh, that could be done. That's possible. Someone's done it. Someone's, you know, made that decision and it becomes real. It becomes tangible, you know, and I, it's, it's, we have so much beautiful history in the church of like, 
people who have done heroic things mm-hmm. and we oftentimes just sort of thinking very just today you know our world today and we have so much to look look upon yeah and with men in particular like you said this idea of being the hero uh being a hero looks different in different ages there's different challenges to face there's different resources at our disposal there's different um causes to fight for in the history of humanity and so the common denominator of having Christians who have given their life for Christ in a saintly way can inspire us to be creative because you you have to be creative to be a hero. Like you have to be able to say, this is what needs to be done in a heroic way. Like I need to stand up this way. I need to do this thing. And so to me, the saints inspire that creativity in me. Like for example, St. Maximilian Colby. I mean, you can't be a bigger man than St. Maximilian Colby. My goodness gracious. You cannot have more masculine grit and courage and boldness than Maximilian Colby, right? You can't outman him. You can't outman him. But how creative he was, like in spreading the gospel and being a, his in a priest and even in the concentration camp. I mean, he was f- doing flips to uh, keep people's spirits up, you know? Like he was he was always trying to be the creative one to bring the gospel wherever he was. And it just inspires me to think, well, how can I do that in my life, right? Like how can I be creative like that? Right. No, I mean, and, and that's what our lives are meant to inspire other people. And, you know, the history of the saints, like they're actual people. They weren't, they're not just stories or, or myths. Like people who live lives who made, you know, weren't perfect, were human, made really great decisions for the Lord, had conversions. I mean, the first, you know, masculine male saint, I could think St. Joseph, yeah. right? Like the first guy who was like, chose chose to like redirect his life god intervened in his life spoke to his life when he was going to make a different decision right like when he was going to abandon and leave mary like when he was going to be like no this is not in my plan i'll leave her quietly because i'm quote unquote i'm a good guy i'm righteous i'm right with god god intervenes right but his heart was open it was pierced like the spiritual piercing of St. Teresa of Avila, God pierced his heart, changed his mind, his faith, his attitude, and he and he redirected. He took Mary and Jesus into his home, and his life was changed forever, right? That that's manhood. Like that's great. Here was a guy who was a, a builder, a carpenter, worked with his hands. He had callus and probably his hands were swollen and awesome looking, right? And and he led and he and he he did some heroic things, but he wasn't born that way. Like mm. he wasn't born a heroic saint. He was made into one through the grace of God. So that's where that's where it starts for us is seeing these models and the more and more we immerse ourselves in the gospels, the model of Jesus and the disciples and then we see the history of you know more and more disciples and people who have followed the Lord and, and, and done heroic things with their life, we can look at that and say, that's possible. It's doable. It's, it's not unheard of for me to be that way. Mm-hmm. Well, pierce my heart, Jesus. Put it in a case. I'll, Let's I'll do it. stab you right in the chest right now <laughs> with a spiritual spear. You'd be the angel with the spear. Yeah. 
Look, if I'm praying and I have a vision of an angel, I'll just be honest with you. I'll be a little disappointed if he has your face. I would be too. <laughs> I'd be very disappointed. It'd be a scary angel. <laughs> like, whoa. About that. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening into the show today on the podcast. Feel free to share it with folks. For everyone in Acadiana listening on KLFT, uh, welcome to the show on this uh, great day we're having today. Cool weather, which is always great. You know, in Louisiana, cool weather is always preceded by muggy, warm weather, and then it gets nasty, and this cold front comes in, and it's just like it's crisp. Mm-hmm. and good everyone's mood changes and so good you know it is so good unfortunately this cold front was accompanied by many nasty storms including a uh maybe you saw this but this huge tornado in lake charles uh no one died thank god but dozens of homes were destroyed or impacted and mm. um but like a massive tornado it's crazy yeah it's crazy yeah wow we gotta pray for those folks mm-hmm kind of crazy um you know in louisiana we have some of the worst roads so we've never been to louisiana particularly like when you get off of the interstate into the actual roads of towns and in those roads we call these holes in those roads at least here we call them potholes Mm -hmm. they don't call them potholes everywhere they don't i just call them i don't know cracks in the road bad roads whatever but a lot of people don't have just actual potholes literally it's a hole in the road it's it's a hole in the road yep and it's got you know water in it or whatever and you know it's interesting like if you're in louisiana from louisiana when when you talk about maybe like the roads being horrible or like the education system or like just different things that you're just like you know we could probably do better Mm mm-hmm the excuse in Louisiana or the comeback is like, yeah, but we have really good food, right? Or yeah, we do. the music's great. Or that's true. The culture is amazing, right? That is true. So the good, in a sense, either outweighs the bad or it just sort of skims over the bad and then you forget, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the potholes are still there. That's true. And some of them are big enough to swim in. They're pretty big. Or break your car. Yeah. You know? That. So it's like the it's sort of like a distraction to think about like the food and all that because they're they're good mm-hmm. outweighs the bad yes but it doesn't mean like you're thinking oh this food is so good the potholes went away <laughs> right okay now I know you're thinking where's Paul going with this I am thinking okay here's where I'm moment. going with it and everyone listening is this is I'm sort of thinking out you know this book and I started thinking you know where where do I start and I started with this analogy in my head the reality is that 
potholes and food with the good food doesn't get rid of the potholes. The reality is that oftentimes we can not be honest with the reality, right? Like we can sort of just forget like there's cracks in the road and just pretend like everything's just great, you know, and good. And in the gospel this Sunday, Jesus talks specifically about the greatest commandments, you know, and, you know, the scribes asked him, and we all know this reading, you know, which is, you know, which is the first of all commandments? Jesus replied, uh, the Lord is God alone. He goes through um, the commandments. And the second is this, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so the two greatest commandments um, and, uh, Jesus talks about these, right? Uh, to love God and to love your neighbor. And that, look, that's like, those are the two greatest commandments. But when you talk about love, right? You can't talk about love, true love, without the word truth in there. Without the word honesty. Because you can't have authentic love without honest love. Without truthful love, Okay. So if I want to be your friend, I'm going to be honest with you. I need to be honest with you about the good things in your life and also maybe the discrepancies to not be afraid and vice versa. And I'm not, not talking about pointing fingers. I'm just talking about like just loving each other to the point where we help each other grow. Okay. Saying all that, because when I look in the mirror, for me to grow, for me to get better, I got to be honest. I can't skip over and just be like, the food's great, but I still got potholes. I still got holes in the road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to deal with it. And, you know, one of those benefits of being honest is that we all have strengths and weaknesses. Like, we all have potholes in our road because we're, if we're not the Blessed Virgin Mary or the Lord Jesus, we're not perfect humans, Absolutely. Right? And if we refuse that, then those potholes get worse. And the thing is, other people live with us our spouses our children our friends our co-workers they have to endure our potholes and they're going to get worse and worse and worse if we're not dealing with it and um you know like the catechism of the catholic church when it talks about growing in virtue i love a phrase it uses it says that <clears throat> virtue is the seed and fruit of good acts meaning you can't have a good act or a good quality that doesn't come from a virtue, but it also develops virtue. So to use your analogy a little bit further, if you do have good food and you acknowledge you have potholes, then you can use your good food to get rid of the potholes. Use the strengths you have to overcome your weaknesses. So for example, have a little pothole festival where you sell in school, uh, selling good food, you're raising money for the potholes, and then now you could fix the potholes. So use the strength you have, which was the good food, to somehow develop a strategy to get rid of the potholes. Now, point that to me, I'm going to have character defects. I'm going to have struggles in my character, but I also have gifts. I also have virtues that God has given me. And if I can figure out a way to let those gifts inspire dealing with my defects, that's how I grow in virtue. So it's not ignoring them. It's not hoping they go away or asking other people to deal with them or just get used to the potholes, just deal with it. But it's rather being aware of both my defects and my strengths. I can come up with strategies with the Lord to grow and to actually become better 
And it's possible to do that. Right. Exactly. And I think that's, that's the reality, right? Like, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have brokenness and sin. But Jesus is the divine physician. And the church has healing mechanisms in place for our hearts and minds. Okay? So the attitude for us is not to be like, I got potholes, but the gumbo's good, is not the right attitude. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because, you know, a shame on you know, our whatever, our gov- local government to be like, ah, we have great food. Who cares about the roads, right? Like, we don't have the money for that. How about both? You can have both. You can mm-hmm. have good food and good roads, okay? <laughs> Are you running for city council right and now? So m- maybe so, like, <laughs> PG for government official. <laughs> Here he is. Hey, what do you know? Nothing. We just need good food and good roads. <laughs> And so what I'm saying is, like, we'll never be perfect, but as we grow in our strengths, we can recognize the the cracks in our road, the things that we need to grow, the virtues we need to grow in, the sins that need to be healed, we need to be healed from, the brokenness or woundedness. And through the Lord's grace and healing, through prayer, through the sacraments, through reconciliation, through the Eucharist, through fellowship and friendship, um, and encouragement, we can repave, we can have those roads repaved, right? And th- there'll always maybe be a mark in the road where there was a hole, but it can be repaved, you know, and, and become smooth again. And so when I say all that is that that doesn't happen if we're not honest. Like if we're not just very open and authentic and transparent about our lives not so much to the world, but to ourselves and to God. And really taking a step back and doing a, a, a real spiritual evaluation of where am I? What what are those things that the Lord is asking me to grow in and heal in? I've had a couple of conversations with men or people who have had conversations who have come to me about their conversations. And... It's been interesting because a couple of those conversations have been guys saying, I feel like, uh, <clears throat> I feel like I'm living the wrong life. Like I, I feel like, um, I'm not living the life I'm supposed to be living. I feel, uh, like, um, you know, should be living someone else's life. Like this, this idea that really, yeah. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what to do, right? And so I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing mm-hmm. instead of really stopping and being honest. No more running. No more being like, oh, the food's good. The roads are terrible, but the food is good, right? Like, no, like, let me look at the road and see what really needs to be done to repair the road, Right instead of continuing to make excuses. This is just the way I am. This is everyone's else fault, whatever the case may be. When Jesus talks, he talks about the two greatest commandments and, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor. And those things are really hard to do because the reality is it's really hard to love someone else, God and neighbor, if we don't love ourselves. And the only way to love ourselves authentically is to be very honest with ourselves, like to love the places in our lives that we're, we feel that are unlovable 
and allow God to really begin to um, pour out his, his love and his grace into those areas of our life, our weaknesses. Yeah, you can't give what you don't have. And I mean, love, love of God, love of neighbor is a gift of myself to God, a gift of myself to neighbor. But I can't give what I don't have. If I don't have myself, and I think what you're bringing up kind of touches on two very essential ways that I would have myself. One is I, I, I have to know who I am in all honesty. Like I have to be aware of my strengths and weaknesses, faults and failings, gifts, talents. I need to be aware of myself in truth and also need to possess myself. Possess meaning like I have self-control, you know, like I, my life is based on what I think is good and right. And I have to love myself. In other words, I have to give good things to myself first. I mean, the greatest thing I could give myself is God, a relationship with God. And if I take that seriously in my life and I give myself that gift through prayer, I give myself that gift of God through obedience to him and and living his commandments, staying in the state of grace, it's only then that I could actually make a gift of myself to other people. Um, But I have to... I have to give the gift to myself first, be honest with myself in truth and love myself enough to live a healthy, holy life. And if I don't love myself enough to live a healthy, holy life, then I will not be able to love other people either. I think that's one of the major points I'm trying to make right there Mm -hmm. is that there, there are these superficial things that are really good that distract us from the thing that needs to be fixed. The gumbo, the food's really great right? I have a good job or I'm making money or this is a great hobby or I can go and do this or travel or whatever. And, but I don't want to look at this. And, you know, I know maybe not many people who are listening to this show deal with this, but maybe you deal with people who deal with this is that, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with people who, who are just adverse to God because they're afraid of what might happen if they open their heart up to God. Mm -hmm. So then, therefore, they're like, no, I don't need that. Well, really? Like, your family's falling apart. Your marriage is falling apart, but you don't need God? Like, like, let's talk. No, no, I don't need that. Really? No, no. So, but, you know, I'm making money or have a good job or whatever. So I'm focused on the things that just seem like are going good and then right in front of me. There's potholes. There's different things that are that are just necessary to do, so that the road's easier to travel on. You know, mm-hmm. God doesn't come and dig more holes. God comes and like helps repave our road for us, like through forgiveness and love and mercy and healing. I think the people who are most adverse to that are men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know because you know. Women typically are more open and self-aware and self-aware and men are more focused on the outward things, the things that make them feel good and and successful. And and then all along inside, like they're falling apart. They're asking these questions. You know, I've had multiple conversations in the last couple of weeks of guys who are going to mass who are like, but I don't have any purpose in my life. I don't know what my gifts are and I don't know how to use them to make a difference in the world. Mm Mm-hmm you know, or whatever in my community, like they're just wrestling internally. And yet, you know, God's like wanting to intersect that and like do something with it. Right. He wants to really bad. 
And unless, like you were saying, like we're open to it, and I think you go back to St. Joseph. Joseph, when it said that Scripture says that he was a righteous man, it speaks of that he was right with God, that he was desired in his heart to follow God. He thought he was making the right decision, but he wasn't. He wasn't making the right decision. God intervened and changed his mind and heart. If he wasn't open to that, it wouldn't happen. Like he allowed grace to move because, you know, and look, that was a quite a left turn Mm -hmm. that happened in Joseph's life, right? Like the woman he was betrothed to was pregnant, not from him, right? And then he was going to make this decision to walk away and God intervened. And like, like he had to kind of sort of like, okay, God, like you're, you got to show me, you got to lead now. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So for us as men, usually for the most case, we're, we're stubborn and hard headed and we need God to intervene, but without an open heart, like just a little crack in the door, like grace sort of bounces off the walls. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reminded too of, um, th- there's this strange phenomenon that happens in men, in men saints in particular that are very masculine is that they're also very cheerful and tender sometimes. So, like, I guess St. Jerome would be an exception. But people like St. John Bosco, Maximilian Colby, uh, St. Joseph, I can imagine him. I mean, we could all imagine him with little child Jesus playing with, you know, something he made in the woodshop, some kind of toy, and they're having a good time, and he's cheerful, whatever. There's this strange phenomenon that happens with a, a masculine heart that is honest, that takes care of the potholes, that they seem to have a certain cheerful disposition to life and certain, like, levity about them. Like, they don't take life too seriously, while at the same time they do take life very seriously, right? They don't take themselves too seriously, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is that this acknowledging the potholes, acknowledging the problems, we think that we, we don't want to do it because we think we're admitting some kind of defeat, we think we're admitting some kind of inadequacy. We think, like, we think we've lost if we admit that we have potholes, but in fact, we find our life when we lay it down that way, and we we discover that everybody's got issues. Everybody, nobody has it all together, and so all we could do is all we can do. And when we start to really do all we can do, we learn that God is in control, and we're not, and we're okay with it. And so we we gain a certain cheerfulness about it. We say we gain a certain like carefreeness. Not that we don't take life seriously, but that we know God's in control. And so we're not so grumpy. We're not so serious all the time. We're not so torn up inside all the time. Not because we have all the answers, but we know that God does. And we've entrusted our life to Him. And especially in the most difficult moments, it's such a grace to know that God is taking care of you. But if I haven't opened myself enough to Him to to deal with my issues, to deal with my potholes and love me anyway, well, then I don't know that God's taking care of me. Yeah, this is not about perfection. This is about holiness, too. Or different, like growing in relationship with God. I mean, think about this. Jesus' earthly father, foster father, made the wrong decision. The best decision, but it was the wrong one. He was going to leave Mary. That's what Scripture says, quietly. And he was going to leave her with the responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. God intervened. The humility for him to say, you know what, you're right. <laughs> you know what, yeah, I, 
I was thought I was doing the right thing, but you're right. I'm wrong. I will make another decision. I'll change course. And it says he brought Mary into his home, right? Mm -hmm. Like underneath this scandal and this, this whole like deal that was happening, like the humility to me is so beautiful because it gives, it gives me the permission to start over today, tomorrow, to be like, you know what? You were right. I do need to work on that. You know what? I, I should change my decision. You know what? Like I was wrong. And there's a lot of freedom in that because it begins to soften up our sternness and not take ourselves so seriously, like you were saying, and to be like, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm, I'm imperfect. I'm going to make wrong decisions. I'm, I'm not always going to be perfect and right and, you know, open. But if I can admit that, then God could do a lot with humility. He can just he can mold me when I'm humble. But when I'm prideful, man. I'm unbendable. Mm -hmm. And every time in my own life, when I've been prideful and I dig in, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not looking at that. You're the sinner, not me. You know, <laughs> like, who are you to point fingers? Every time I'm prideful, I mean, I am unshapable. And when I'm unshapable, like, I don't change and grow. Like, I just stay there. And that's not, that's a really miserable place to live because when we, when we, when we're prideful, we, we isolate ourselves. We become very alone and lonely. Even in our own homes, it can happen. Mm -hmm. But when we're humble, we let, we let people in. We let others in because we're not afraid to be wrong. And I think that's really, really important. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in today on the radio KLFT or on the podcast. Thanks to all our sponsors as well for making the show happen. And the Deacon Adam Conconator. So your new book is related to potholes? No, I mean, it's just a really a proposal right now. It, but no, it there might be a chapter on that. Maybe we nice. just came up with a chapter. Really, the first chapter is going to be about honesty. Mm-hmm. For men, like masculine honesty. Yeah, just being honest. And 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 it's different for all of us. You know, truth is truth, right? Uh, but honesty is different in a sense of like the way we're, we're called to have that humility and look at ourselves. And I think St. Joseph is a perfect saint example for that first chapter because he sets the tone from the very beginning for saints. Like he's the gold standard mm -hmm. of a human guy like he was the only one in the holy family that like didn't have you know the, the protection you know of, <laughs> he didn't he have, had original sin he, was he had a, with it. Yeah. yes he had original sin just like you and i like and i think oftentimes we can look at the statues of joseph or the saints and be like oh the they're that, that's a myth like though were they real people they were real people mm -hmm. you know real lives really human and and uh to almost sugarcoat it and to say that Joseph was perfect is 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 denying the fact that he was human. 
He was very virtuous. He was very righteous. But he grew in that as well. Mm-hmm. Like he, he wasn't he wasn't born without original sin like Mary and Jesus. Like he, he had he had to choose to grow in, in those areas. And I think for us as guys, it's like particularly it's like choosing is like the best thing that we can do. We like mm-hmm. we like choice. We like control. We'll choose God. Choose the right thing. And then when you do that, like great things begin to happen. That's what Joseph did. Like, at the very least, he chose the best thing to do, which was to follow God. And then God led him. He led him to Bethlehem. He led him to Egypt. He led him to Nazareth. He led him to lead his family. And quietly, he became a heroic saint, not thinking about it, just following Jesus or God, Jesus' son, the guy in his own house. Jesus and God are the same person. I'm sure he had, I mean, a, few, yeah, sure he had a few conversations with like adolescent Jesus, like, all right, I know you've tried to tell me this already, son, but let's let's start from the top. You are who now? Okay, you're God. Okay, explain this. But you're but you're not the Father, who's also God. But you and the Father are one. Right. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Got it. Yeah, and you know it's interesting that he would make God and His providence and His Son Jesus, who would want to honor His Father eventually inspired Joseph to be the universal patron of the church. So it's it's that man and that experience that he went through that is now the patron of all Christians, right? The patron of everybody is that he's our foster father too. He's our father too um, in the faith. And so it's amazing that his witness not only continues to be somebody to look up to, but he's actively engaged in our life. Like we we have St. Joseph as a model, but also as a father too. And what a blessing that is that God has given us his own mother Woman, behold your son, and through the ministry of the church, who made uh, made Saint Joseph universal patron, we now have Jesus's father as our father as well. I mean, yeah. What a gift! Saints are made over time; they're not created in a moment. They're not born that way. They're 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 crafted over time, you know, through grace and man, you know, and that's we're we're called to that same life. Mm-hmm. You know, like to to deny that would be to deny the fact the fact that we're called to be a Christian because, like, to say yes to God is to get on that journey towards sainthood, to to a life in heaven. Hop on the bus for sainthood. And that's hard. That's not easy. That's what we're talking right. about. Like, those saints had cracks and potholes. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And so, you know, what's the difference? They just said yes to God, the humility. So, all right. So we've been segmenting you know we're getting to them all so how about six pack of questions question question number one you just kind of threw out the fact that you went on a tour bus across the country you got to tell us what i mean were you in a family band like what what put you on a tour bus yeah traveling around the country yeah multiple times but we would you know the the nonprofit ministry i helped start and run would you know, we did local evangelization and outreach, but one of the things was, you know, worship tour around the country. Had, you know, worship, music, adoration, mm-hmm. a talk, yada, yada. And so, you know, musicians and... Like rock stars for and, Jesus. Just Yeah, I, I was I was more the, the organizer of it all. I would give a little talk in between, but, you know, and it wasn't really even about the musicians. Obviously, someone who plays music yourself is that worship music should 
point people to the person that you're worshiping. It's not the musician. It's mm. Jesus, right? Which is beautiful for Catholics, and particularly when you have worship and prayer during adoration. Everything points to, obviously, Jesus in the Eucharist, right? So, But b- to be able to do that in a way, like you had to travel, it, you just couldn't do it in a van. Like you had to, like, you know, to be able to make it doable and get sleep. Oh, my gosh. Really good sleep. Man, I hope... I hope Gretchen's not listening to this show. Why? Because, I mean, I think she was like, you're having fun on that bus, aren't you? (laughs) You're sleeping, aren't you? And she was a poor thing that she was at home with all the kids, you know. Well, maybe you should take her on a tour bus now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I hated being away from home. I don't know if I would ever do it again. (laughs) But I like the concept. Maybe we'll do the sleeping bus. That's a good idea. Sleeping Bus of Lafayette mm-hmm. by Paul George. Question number two. So we talked about St. Teresa of Avila's incorrupt heart in a glass case in Spain. Um, have you ever seen an incorrupt saint or, like, part of an incorrupt saint before? Mm-hmm. And what what was it like? It was weird. Like, at first you're like, nah. And then you walk up and you're like, whoa. And then you're like, is that real? And you're like, what? Is that, like, a wax statue? Because that, mm. And then you just kind of sit there and you just soak it all in. So if you, you know, you go to Italy, you go to Rome, in a lot of the churches, there's incorruptible saints, like in cases. And you just like, it, it's unlike anything you see here. Like the history here of 200 something years is just like, we don't have that. <laughs> like you go there and, and it's like normal for an incorrupt saint to be in a crypt thingy on a side altar. And you're just like, there, there's a body. There it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's strange. It's it's but it everything about it, like you leave and you think everything about this just points back to God. It points to the mystery of God, and and your your heart is just more alive because of the witnesses of all this, right? Of the saints and the people who have come before us. Question number three is kind of loaded, but like a loaded baked potato. But a follow-up question to that. So if it's everywhere in Europe, like why why is the faith on such a decline? You know, like what's the connection between God who's done these amazing things and all this weird Catholic stuff, but a society who who just won't accept it, you know? (laughs) Like you've you've worked with people like this, that like they see God do amazing things, but somehow it doesn't translate into faith. Like what's the block in people's lives, you know? Man. It, that is like the the question of all questions, right? Like you see the decline in faith in Europe, and then you see it trending that way here. And you just begin to think of like our culture. You think of just sin and just like just the absence of, of God and, and thinking that happiness is all these other things. And yeah, like... You know, I think the reality is the response in all that is that for Christians and for Christianity to become alive again, it's going to take real disciples to live the authentic faith that is beautiful and attractive. That's what the saints did, and that's that's what evangelized, right? They lived these beautiful, radical lives, you know, and I think in our culture today— we need more Maximilian Colby's and John Paul II's and Mother Teresa's and St. Joseph's and to, to rise up, 
like like literally to be leaders of the faith today i I don't know Mm. all right question number four so honesty especially with like potholes in our character um honesty like you said is very difficult how do you how do you really know when you are being honest because i know personally and i also know from working with people a lot of times we think we know ourselves a lot of times we think we're being honest about something um but maybe we're not because we're actually being proud or there's some ego in there or you know or like we get into the situation like you described where you know i'm right they're wrong and then we kind of dig into that what does honesty actually look like like how would you define that yeah i mean you know if you're only if you're living in a in a silo in an echo chamber and no one else is speaking into your heart or your life then your honesty becomes probably a little foggy because you only see it the way you see it but real honesty is having other people who can speak into it and be like well this is kind of how i see it you know this is and a lot of times when I've dealt with like maybe major potholes in my life or cracks in the road, I've talked to someone about it, spiritual director, a mentor, whatever. And to be, to, just to have the humility to, to say, what do you see? What do you notice? What's your opinion? And it really kind of gives you a real truthful and honest perspective, right? Which is good because those people love you and want what's best for you. You know, ask your spouse, ask a friend ask a spiritual director, a priest, go to confession, you know, like you, you getting a well-rounded perspective of, instead of just saying like, and I'm sure you've had this, you've talked to people who only talk to themselves Mm -hmm. and they only have their opinion about it and they haven't asked anyone else. And you're just, you look at them and you're just like, yeah, you, you, you're, you're blinded to the truth. Like you're not seeing the full truth. Right. And you know, that, that's frustrating. Question number five. I think some people listening might think, I know those potholes. I don't know the good food. In other words, like maybe they have such a scrupulous personality. They tend to only focus about the negative about their self mm. that they only think about that. And so that actually keeps them from really knowing themselves too. So what's that balance of like, yes, I'm willing to admit I have issues, but where's the limit there so that I don't turn into someone who's just so, I have such a negative opinion about myself. Yeah. And we talked earlier, it's about being both and it's, it's the food and the pothole. Like they're, you know, like they're both there, you know? And so to be able to enjoy the life that God's given you or, or the, the blessings that he's given you at the same time, like just knowing that there's going to be seasons of life where you hit a rough patch of road and there'll be seasons of life where it's smooth. Right. And, and to, to not always like over, over emphasize or, you know, like over focus on like all the little bitty cracks in the road, it, it'll never be perfect. But when you come up to an area of the road, that's like, okay, that's noticeable, then, then deal with it. But at the same time, like, you know, it, it shouldn't spin you into like depression or, you know, this anxiety, like when, when God's working in your life, there should be some freedom there and some hope. Right. Mm. And so that's why journeying with other people, we're not, we shouldn't journey the Christian life alone. Like that's just not what we're created for at all. You know, question number six. So maybe you can give us a sense of urgency about this. Describe the effect of a man who's not honest with himself, a man who doesn't love himself enough to be honest and healthy and holy. 
What effect does that have on that man's wife and children? So I thought about this when I was thinking about the chapter with Joseph. And I thought, what would have happened if Joseph would have left Mary quietly? What would have happened? Because that was the decision that he said he was going to make. He would have been divorced and alone. That would That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And for, for men, that's what happens. We become alone. We, we become alone in our own home. We become isolated from friends. We isolate ourselves from our kids or our wife. We become distant emotionally. We lock ourselves in and we focus on the things that we feel successful at. Work, hobbies, sinful things, whatever the case may be. And there's nothing more isolating than laying in a foxhole alone. And this world is hard enough and we fight the battle. And in fighting the battle, when you look in the foxhole and there's someone next to you, you, your thought is, I can get through this. We're, we're going to make it out alive, right? But when you're in there alone, it's very hopeless. And that's, that's the end result. And that's sad because I do see it in our culture today. And I see it with men who, you know, think of an example right now of a guy who, who just left his wife because he was just like unhappy and she had no idea and he just got another house. And then he's just like, you know, living alone. And that's just, that's so sad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he'll focus on, you know, his job and try to have some fun and whatever. And, and his wife and kids will be at home just so sad. And, and yet it's because it, his heart has become so cold to God and openness. He's so afraid to open it up and be loved that he's just going to just isolate himself in loneliness and probably recreate the same decisions over and over. Maybe get remarried and then do it all over again. I don't know. Mm. And so that's not what God wants for us. You know, it's like God wants to reroute us. Like he, he not only needed Joseph to make another decision for Mary and, jo- and Mary and Jesus, he needed Joseph to make another decision for Joseph because he knew the freedom that Joseph really wanted. He knew that raising a family with Mary and Jesus would be the greatest life he would ever live. Mm-hmm. Then leaving Mary alone and being alone himself and and miserable, right? Like, like God knew. And God wants what's best for us as well. And that rerouting sometimes doesn't make sense and it seems hard. But but God knows what's on the other end. And if we would just stay stay moldable and humble, let God really construct our life for us instead of us doing it ourselves. At least uh, I've learned the hard way there. So anyway, great show, man. Great show. Thanks everyone for for listening, being a part of the show. For everyone, uh, please feel free to share the show on the podcast. And thanks to KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for the We'll be back next week. Let's go.